Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone, as recorded in God's holy word. Well, it is a joy and delight to be with all of you this morning and to open up God's word with you. If you have your copy of scripture, you can open to Psalm 19. Um, I, I encourage you to leave it open and look, because as I walk through this psalm, I want you to see what I'm saying is true. It's true in that um, that you are prepared uh, to, to see God's word um, as it is proclaimed to us. All right, so I want to begin this time by asking a question. If you were asked by an unbeliever, Wanting to know God, what would you say? I mean, if someone came to you and asked you, you know, how do I know about God? Uh, how do I know there is a God? What would you say? Would they know God if you told them about God's creation? What if you gave them your testimony? Beloved, this morning, God can be known. This psalm tells us how. If you were to take time to reflect on Matthew chapter 4, you would read the account of Jesus going into the desert and to be tempted by Satan. The text tells us that after 40 days and 40 nights, without food or drink, the text says he was hungry. And Satan took this as his cue. To come when Jesus was at his weakest in human form to tempt him. But with each temptation came about a response from Jesus Christ. And he said these words in response every time. It is written. It is written. And if we look at the last temptation in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. When Jesus was told about, well, no, actually, this was the first temptation, when Jesus was told about providing stones and making them into bread so that he could eat. What was Jesus' response? This is man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds through the mouth of God. So, I'll give you my proposition or my aim for you this morning to understand from this text is it is a psalm of declaration of God's glory in remembering, obeying, and declaring God's word. God's word, if you don't remember anything else from today, remember this. God's word is the source to all life and joy. Let me just pray one more time before we go into this word this morning. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to gather this morning where there are hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people around the world in countries where it is illegal to even gather together. I read an account of one missionary this past week and the way they had to have church services is to ride around in cars back and forth And they would honk and say say praise to each other as they went by. 
and they would pray and they would meditate upon God's word. And that's how they would have to have service on a Sunday morning so that their heads wouldn't be chopped off. Lord, we live in a world where our freedoms are so abundant, are so comfortable that we forget our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that we would never forget the truth of the cross. Lord, I pray this morning that we would receive the meat of your word and we would taste and see and be satisfied. Lord, you know I'm no match for your word, so may your word be exalted this morning through your son, Jesus Christ, and may you be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So this is a psalm written by David. God's chosen to be the vice ruler over Israel. David has realized that all things in life find its joy in God's word. And he wants God's people to know the everlasting source to life. So therefore, David puts together a psalm announcing the message rooted in what God has made known. This psalm is broken into three parts, and so I've elected to take these three parts and to give you three sub-points that would help you understand his word this morning. First, we have God's creation speaks. God's glory is being declared in verses 1 through 6. Secondly, we see that God's word declares life wisdom, and joy. And thirdly, we see that God's word provides for us the ultimate reward, which is Christ, and it should lead us to worship. So this is God's word for God's people this morning. So if you look from verses 1 through 6 here, we see first, the first verse says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim his handiwork. David tells us in this verse that creation declares the glory of God, specifically the heavens. That is, the sun, the moon, and the stars. We're talking about all the celestial bodies in the universe that we can see, and even the ones we can't see that we need a telescope to see. Have you ever Consider the greatness and majesty of our solar system. If you took time to study through the study of astronomy uh, and just learn from the scientists and the researchers and what they put together and what they have come to know about, you can't help but be amazed. Stars don't just shine, but they also sing. For example, if you learn and study about an exploding star, it's called a supernova. And as this star explodes in the galaxy, this supernova, uh, I don't want to say explodes, but it, it, it pours out this magnetic field that shoots a radio frequency. And if you had a radio frequency telescope that records a thousand light years away what you will hear is this amazing noise, like a pulsar. And it's like, da, 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 da. you could hear this noise. And there are many other 
noises from the universe that we can hear from these magnetic rays. All the universe, including the heavens, are singing in a symphony to God's glory. This makes me wonder about the Big Bang Theory. What if we said as Christians we believed in the Big Bang? But not from an atheistic or non-Christian understanding. But what if we said that God proclaimed in His Word, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke the world into existence. Imagine the bang of God's Word declaring the existence of all the creation. But God spoke this into existence. Doesn't this kind of blow your mind away considering the beauty and majesty of our great God? But, but it gets better. Look with me in verse 2. How? What we see here is day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Pours out speech. They preach words, spoken words, not audible words that we just hear like me and you speaking together with our language, but speaking out specifically the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars preach God's glory. The mere fact that we have day and night, we are given insight to knowledge. How can this exist without a sovereign creator? Day and night are speaking to us, and they must be heard. Look in verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Just as I am speaking to you now, beloved, you have to acknowledge the sound, the words coming out of my mouth, the sound of my voice. You must also recognize that God's creation is speaking to us today. And if the sound of creation is not enough, we're given a visual of God's glory through these, these word pictures. Every time we wake up to sunshine, it pours forth speech of God. Every time the darkness of night comes and we see the moon shining, the sound of God's voice is speaking to us in our hearts. All the world sees the glory of God being put on display daily. Consider these word pictures in verses 5 through 6. God's creation is like a canvas of his beauty and his majesty. We see the sun rising and falling. We see day and night. The bridegroom and his bride. We see great light and heat. Their voices go out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. What we see here is a picture of the sunrise and falling and it's glorious. Think about this for a moment. Have you ever watched the beautiful sunset from the mountains here in El Paso? The beautiful rays of light falling over the horizon, the blues and orange and purple and red just over the horizon as the sun is sitting, setting down. Or perhaps 
you're out early in the morning having your cup of coffee outside your backyard and you're looking as early in the morning as the sun brings its light and you feel its heat upon your face watching as the rays of the sun are cresting over the surface of the earth you can't help but know there is a god as he reveals it in his creation keep your finger in your bibles and turn with me to genesis chapter one let's read a account of god's creation here Beginning in verse 14, I'll read through verse 19. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. Our sovereign creator is responsible for the moon, the sun, and the stars. In verse 16 of Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that God created the sun and the moon and the stars, almost like as if it's a footnote. That God is just speaking and breathing out stars. Think of our galaxy. The sun is just one star in our galaxy, million times the size of the earth. If our earth and its axis, as it rotates around, each day and around the sun, if it's tilted just even one degree closer to the sun or one degree further away, we would either freeze or burn to death. It has to be in an exact place for life to exist. Our galaxy contains 100 billion stars. The universe contains one trillion galaxies. God created light. Scientists tell us that the, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. That means 5.88 trillion miles per light year. And out of the mouth of God when he declares, let there be light. Yeah. Hebrews 1 through 3 tells us that Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. You see the heavens declare God's glory. The sun, the moon, and the stars are singing of it. And all of, declare, all of creation declares it so. I don't know about you. And if you've ever looked on YouTube or know who Louis Giglio is. But he is a Christian pastor speaker and he gives this talk about the stars and and creation he goes on to describe and and uh and he calls this 
that kind of what I was describing just a minute ago when the supernova, how there's one specific one called the pulsar, and he goes and describes it, and then he was able to capture the sounds from these um, magnetic telescopes that they captured and recorded, and he, he plays the sounds of these notes, uh, and then, then there was these other stars he's describing, and it almost sounds like like a symphony of uh, strings of violins playing and, and this like small beat, steady beat of a drum and these magnificent sounds from the stars. Then he goes on to describe the sounds of blue whales. And I don't know if you know this, but if you study the sound of blue whales and what hurts they, 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 their sound goes out at, but their sound is like if you were to go by the ocean and within 500 miles radius from a blue whale, you could hear their sound as they sing these songs. We sing amazing songs. This morning, it was amazing to have just our voices. Yes, we didn't have a microphone, but we had our voices. We had these songs and we sing and it's great and we praise God for that. But we are not the only ones in this universe singing God's praises and glory. And then Louis Giglio puts together in his experiment, he has this iPad and he kind of breaks it all out with the sounds. And so you hear this, you know, tapping of the beat of the drum and you have the symphony of the, like the, the strings going on. And then he takes the sound of these wells and then he puts a, now imagine if we sing this to Chris Somlin's song, How Great Is Our God. And it's like, how great is our God. And then he says, don't you want to just sing with all the creation and all of glory together, singing how great is our God together in one symphony of orchestra, of singing praises and glory to God. And if all of creation sings in a symphony of worship, then it should cause us to worship him. But why doesn't everyone who sees and witnesses the majesty of God's creation know and worship him as the one true creator? You see, there is God's general revelation in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. God reveals us himself to us in a general way but it's not enough people don't become christians simply by looking at the stars and the oceans and the mountains and even though in its majesticness and, and greatness of these things in the creation people just don't merely become christians from them turn with me to romans chapter one beginning in verse 18. This is the reason why people don't come to faith in Christ merely by his creation. For verse 18 of Romans chapter 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Why don't Christians, why don't people just become Christians simply by looking at the stars, moon, ocean, mountains? Because they suppress the truth. They're futile in thinking. Think of this word futile. This, this is uh, 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 enemies. This is hostility. Hostility towards God, the gospel, the truth. And they worship the creation rather than the creator. But then how can we know God? God's creation speaks, but we need a very specific revelation. And that revelation is God's word. God speaks to us through his word and God's word declares life, wisdom, and joy. Look with me in verses 7 through 11. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of honeycomb. You see, in verses 7 through 9, this is what we call Hebrew poetry. We see three sets of lines that build on each other. There's a shift with emphasis here. You notice, if you read it, how many times is the word the Lord repeated? Six times. Six times the Lord is repeated. In verse 1, David gives the generic word for God, El or Elohim, right? But here he gives the covenant name of God, Yahweh. God has made himself known in a very specific and covenantal way. God's covenantal name is first revealed to Moses at the burning bush, Yahweh, which means I am. There is no other like him. He is completely separate from any other thing, creation, or person, or being in all the universe. There is none like him. And then we see that it's revealed to us today through the word spoken words the written word declared this is specific revelation where we learn the nature and character of god he is perfect his word is sure right pure clean and true what if i was to tell you i was a salesman and i claimed that my product was perfect that you can be sure of it because the quality was pure and clean. Would you trust what I'm saying is true? Perhaps I'm a very convincing person. Maybe I, I can get you to believe that. 
But unlike a salesman who's trying to convince you to spend your money for his own benefit, God's word is seeking a benefit for your gain and through his word. His word is perfect. Therefore, we can trust the perfect word of God and be sure that it is right. And because we are told that it is pure and clean, we know it is holy as the Lord is holy. Most importantly, we can know the perfect truth of who God is and what he has declared is true for us. You see, saints, the very work of God is done through his word. Look in verse 7, it says, God's word does the work of life and wisdom. We see that it revives the soul. This is the means by which God imparts life. God in all of his creation, breathing life into man. Jesus declaring to Lazarus, come out and giving him life. God brings the dead to life. The spiritually divine salvation to those in Christ. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 tells us, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, it tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But that's not, 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 he not only gives us life through his word, but he imparts wisdom. Look there in verse 7, making wise the simple. Not just knowledge of God, but wise for salvation. As 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 tells us, in fact, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's read for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. And the Holy Spirit writes these words. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned. And have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which we are able to make you, what? Wise for salvation. Make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And all scripture is breathed out by God, or God breathed, and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word makes us wise for salvation in Jesus Christ, and it is profitable. But look here in verse 8. It tells us that it enlightens the eyes. It's like when the apostle Paul uh, had was blinded, through Christ and later the scales fell off from his eyes and he could see for the first time. This is like opening up the eyes of our heart, right? This is a reference to wisdom. God opens the eyes of the heart to clearly see the truth of his word. And this is a work of God, the work of life, the work of wisdom, and the work of joy. Look in verse 8, it says, rejoicing the heart. Life and wisdom give us a great joy in his word. And his word is more desired, 
or more to be desired in verse 10 it says this is what first peter chapter 2 2 is referring to we ought to long for the spiritual milk of the word we ought to be a people of the book so why do some not desire the word i'm glad you asked <laughs> let me give you some possible reasons for not desiring god's word first you have no life you're not a christian therefore you do not desire god's word it's pretty obvious right what about this perhaps you're in sin and when we are in rebellion to god in our sin we don't want to be confronted with the truth of god's word therefore we are tempted to suppress the truth and not be confronted with God's word, don't desire God's word. But there are some, this what I call the ignorance of sin, um, and probably from a lack of discipleship. Our brother Hunter was talking about this need and desire for discipleship, you know, meeting and learning how to follow uh, Jesus Christ. And I'll give you some examples here in, in a moment, but some of you might say, well, I, I just don't like reading. You know what the answer is? Read. <laughs> the only way to enjoy reading God's word is to read it. The Holy Spirit is what draws you. I didn't like reading. It took me eight years to finish my undergraduate degree because of that. <laughs> but only through reading God's word can you get to know the nature and character of who God is. We get to know who our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ is. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and God was the word. The word became flesh through Jesus Christ. And this is the only way we meet and see and know and hear the words to life. The only way we can receive wisdom and joy and have our hearts revive and lighten our eyes is through the word of God found in Jesus Christ who upholds the universe by the power or the word of his power. Read the word. I mean, there's plenty of Bible reading plans out there. If you need help, somewhere to get started. Our brother Doug has spoken on numerous accounts about a read, Bible reading plan. You can follow along with that. There are what they call one-year Bibles out there. That's the first time I ever read through the Bible. I got a one-year Bible, and it broke it down for me. It had me like a, uh, a couple verses in the Old Testament, a couple verses in the New Testament. It had Proverbs and Psalms, and that's how I got through the Bible one year. Make a list of books that... Made all lists and then check them off as you read a chapter, a day, etc. It doesn't matter if you read it in a year. It matters that you read the Word of God, brothers and sisters. Amen. I've read through the Bible probably 15 through 17 times in my life. And the more I read, the more I discover the riches of its truths. It helps me to realize how much more I need to learn. Preparing each week to preach. It's like swimming deep in the sweetness of it. The more I read and the more I study, the more I realize I don't know. But it's glorious. This is the words to life. Some will say the basic instructions before leaving earth. It is just amazing. We can never get enough. 
We can never learn enough until we are our Lord and Savior. Finally, when the new heavens and the new earth and we are before our Lord, that's the only time that I, that I think he'll just be teaching us directly at that point. But this is also why we need discipleship. There are many opportunities for discipleship, even within our church here. I mean, this is a form of discipleship, but do, this is just a snack for the rest of the week. Brothers and sisters, we need to be in the word of God and we are never called to be Lone Ranger Christians. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need the saints of the church. So, I mean, we have join a Bible study with others in church. We have men that meet every Thursday morning of that ungodly morning at 6 a.m. at IHOP in the Northeast. You can join them there. We have we have women that meet a couple times a week um, uh, through, through online and person and the, around central area and they study the word of God together. The ladies get together once a month and they have fellowship and prayer in the word. And, and, and um, uh, there's, what's the one, sweetheart, the one that you guys just recently? Women of Grace. Women of Grace. You know, the opportunities to get involved and, and study from the word of God there. Uh, we have care groups that meet. On Tuesday nights in the Northeast, uh, Charlie, who facilitates that, that's been going on forever, and they do an amazing job. Myself and my wife, we host in our home. Well, we're homeless right now, but we, when we have our home, so when we get our home again, uh, we'll host and we'll have care group as well, and, and we have meal together, and we study practical application from the Word of God and pray for each other. Uh, there's also another care group on Sunday nights with Brother Robin and, and those folks that meet together on the west side. There's opportunities. Uh, or just find someone within the church. Hey, would you like to get together once a week? Have a cup of coffee? Have a little bit of time just in God's word together? Pray for each other. Encourage one another in the faith. And then we can also pray scripture. The Psalms, this is the reason why we open up our service every Sunday when we're systematically going through the, the book of Psalms because I, I really believe the book of Psalms, uh, they, they teach us about the nature and care of the God. They teach us how to pray. They teach us how to cry out to the Lord. They teach us to rejoice in the Lord. They teach us to praise in the Lord. So you can pray scripture. Uh, look at the Lord's Prayer. I've done this before and during service as well. I mean, just take the Lord's Prayer. He instructed the disciples. He's instructing us. And you can take that and you can just reflect about when he says, hallowed be thy name. Think about the names of God. Think of how we can bestow glory and honor to our Lord and pray. Our prayers should be informed by the word. We can read to your family. Um, my wife and my children, we get together, we read books, we read spiritual books, we ask questions, we sing hymns and songs and praise, we, we memorize scripture, we, we do catechisms. You can do all these things. Read to your spouse and your children. Memorize scripture. Hide his word in your heart that you may not sin before him, that you may know him, that you may grow and be equipped for every season in life, always ready to be prepared to testify to the hope that lies within you. God's word is the only way you can have life, the only way you can overcome sin and grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. So we must be a people of the book. God's word that declares Life and wisdom and joy also brings about God's great reward and worship. Look with us in verse 11 through 14 here. It says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. 
and keeping them is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. But the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There is great reward in God's word. What is the reward? Life and wisdom that leads to salvation. Knowing Jesus Christ. These are the words to life. There is joy and victory over sin and forgiveness, which leads us to praise and worship. There's the unknown and blatant sin in verses 11 to 13 here. We see the servant is warned. Keep back from presumptuous sins. God warns us. He speaks to us by his word. We do not know our... Brothers and sisters, listen to me here. We don't know ourselves like we think we do. We so often think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Only God knows our hearts and he sees our hidden thoughts, even the sins of ignorance. His word keeps sin, his word keeps sin having from having dominion over us. Blatant premeditated sin? Why do we sin? You want to hear this glorious revelation? Why do you sin? Because you want to. That's the truth of it. That's the hard truth. We sin because we want to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin and death if we are in Christ, though. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 18. Right? Actually, I'll turn there with you. Romans chapter 6, verse, verses 15 through 18. Verse 15, the Holy Spirit writes this, beginning with a question. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Perhaps your translation says, God forbid. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're either slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Now, I could go on a lot from just right here. Just, beloved, you, your life is not your own. <laughs> you either obey, you, you, you're either a son and daughter of God or you're a son of Satan. And then he says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you have once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you were not now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. 
eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What can get any better than that? For you alone, Lord, have the words to life. There is great reward in God's word. And the ultimate blessing, hashtag blessed, right? You see this all the time. I'm so blessed in this. You know, all these things, children are blessing from God. The things that God gives you, every good and perfect gift comes from above. But those are not the blessing. The blessing is Christ. Salvation equals justification, Declared, righteous, stamped, paid in full, imputation, propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ took our place once and for all. And nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Neither death, nor life, angels, principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, or any creature can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So our holy living is our sanctification. We're progressing. There is no such thing as a a stagnant Christian. No such thing as I'm just a Christian. No, you're either progressing and growing in your faith or you're digressing. And maybe you're not even of him. Do you want to know and experience God? Do you want life and joy? Turn to Christ. The word who became flesh for us. Jesus Christ, who is the exact imprint of God. You heard me say it a few times here. Go to to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's see what God's word has to say, not just take my word for it. We'll just read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, long ago and many times... In many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, these last days, our days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The word of his power. It's only possible by reading and knowing God's holy word. Let me ask you, would you trust a heart surgeon who had not studied the proper procedures, went to the proper schooling before operating on you? You see, beloved, you see, saints, you see, Christian, it's a matter of life and death. Man can live by skipping the mill, although some of you might feel like you can't live. Man can live without so many different things, but by the word of God not going into you, by not digesting, eating, and restoring and nourishing your soul, you are spiritually dying. How much more do we need scripture? John 
Frayne says this. He says, people often claim to have a personal relationship to Christ while being uncertain about the role of Scripture in that relationship. But the relationship that Christ has established with his people is a covenant relationship and therefore a verbal relationship. Among other things, Jesus' words today are found only in Scripture. So if we are to have a covenant relationship with Jesus, we must acknowledge Scripture as his word. No Scripture, no Lord. No Scripture, no Christ. No Scripture, no salvation. So what should our response be? I think our response should look a lot like David's response in verse 14. It's a response of worship. David ends his psalm with man's words. He he says, let the meditation, the meditation of my heart, O Lord, right? And my rock, let the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He sees the life-giving, wisdom-imparting, rejoicing heart of God's word. He responds in worship with his words and a meditation of his heart, which is acceptable. This is sacrificial language, like Romans 12, 1, right? Therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as holy and living sacrifices, which is acceptable to God and is our spiritual act of worship and he declares the covenantal name of God as his redeemer what do our words proclaim this morning when you are alone at night lost in your thoughts in the quietness of the night what do your words speak when you are in the troubledness of your soul when you are going through pain, anxiety, through sickness. What do your words proclaim to your heart? Do we desire to be pleasing to God in both our words and our heart? Let us be a people who worship God by desiring his word in every aspect of our lives. Let us receive the word of Christ for our joy and his glory apparently I left part of my message out but this morning Christian you see the word of God is more to be desired than honey it's sweet it is good it is life giving it's wisdom bringing it's all joyful. The heavens declare his glory. Let us declare his glory this morning. Let us join in the symphony of worship this morning and declare the glory of God through what we say, what we do, and what we think. Christian, I know this might be a hard word, a challenging word for us because so often we fall short of the mark. And you do. Praise be to God because Christ will make up what we lack. He will succeed in us through the finished work of his hands. Remember the Apostle Paul's prayer, his words, when he says that I'm convinced that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it in Jesus Christ.
He is faithful to complete the good work in you. Live in God's word today for the rest of your life. Let he eat, taste, and see the goodness of Jesus. And friends, if you're here this morning and this word is difficult for you, hard to understand, perhaps the words that you've heard from other Christians weren't kind and loving. Perhaps the way you grew up, you didn't receive words of affirmation, encouragement. Perhaps the struggle in life is your lack of unbelief. There is one who will never leave you, forsake you. There is one who did what we could not. There is one who paid the penalty that we deserve. And he says, come to me. Come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. These alone are the words to life. And as we end our time, I would like to read from God's word this morning. If you can flip that. There we go. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. And it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth and the way of your testimonies. I delight as much as on all riches. And I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. And I will not forget your word. May that be true. May that be the prayer of our heart this morning. Praise the Lord that his word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connection Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ.